Welcome to the first episode of Life Fire Layout, the new podcast where we are talking everything public safety from fire, police, EMS, and of course, our friends, emergency management. That's me. (laughs) With me today, I have Zach Borst, who is the Director of Strategy at Doberman Emergency Management. And who on earth am I? I am Prescott Natto, your host of Life Fire Layout. I'm a career fire captain with the Williston, Vermont Fire Department and have uh, experience in both fire and emergency services, as well as some time with emergency management. And I'm really excited to be with you here today. Zach, what is good? Uh, we're going to be talking a lot of cool stuff. Uh, yeah, lots of things are good. First off, uh, this podcast that we have now been sort of working on uh, for, oh my gosh, it's been months. It, these things seem really, really easy to do, and then they're really, really hard to pull off. And so I'm just excited that we're finally uh, bringing us together. Uh, you've been a guest on our our podcast network several times. They've been very successful. Uh, and so we're excited to have you on board. And then I am also like, I'm a recovering firefighter and EMT. I found my way into emergency management from the fire background. Uh, and so I think this is a really good bridge from, uh, there's, you know, there's quite a few podcasts on emergency management side. There's quite a few podcasts on like the fire and EMS side, really fire side. Um, but there's not a lot that sort of like cross pollinate. So I'm really excited to have something. Um, and then just your, you know, where you're hoping this goes, um, and just so everyone knows, like these podcasts evolve. So like, there's a lot of ways this could go, but like where the intent is, uh, I think is really important for, uh, the emergency management field as well as the fire service. So I'm excited. Yes, Zach, and I'm excited to have you. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about where we're headed here. So here we are, day one, episode one. Uh, First of all, I think it's important to hit on, you know, uh, where we landed on with the name. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's all in the name. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, a lot of um, who I'm excited to bring on. We spent hours in a diner eating uh, an ungodly amount of (laughs) diner food. Uh, Shout out to... uh, uh, oh my God! With Athens, Athens Diner yes, in Athens. Colchester, Vermont, uh, where the uh, the Brain Trust met up, but it was one of those things that you said, and then like instantly, I was like, "Wait, say that again!" And you're like, "Yeah, this is what I think it should be." And then it just like instantly, like uh, it just latched on. Like it was one of those things where I was like, "We don't have to decide anymore." Like we had some other like clever titles, I think, but like this one actually like nailed it. I was like, oh yes, like no way. We're not doing anything else. In fact, I was even, I think I told you, I was like, I'm just going to call, I'm going to text John. I'll send him the different names. I only sent him that name. I was like, this is the one that we're doing. So uh, I'm glad you actually stuck with it, but yeah, it, uh, I, I, I took a second. So I think if you would explain like what that actually means, cause I, even my fire background, you know, I got out a while ago. Uh, and this saying is, is, was not on the forefront of my head, but now that I've heard it, it's like, all I can think of. So uh, it's it's funny, Zach, you say that because in the diner, like I had, I've heard stories of like the aha moment yeah. when people come up with their business name, or in this case, a podcast name. Uh, and for me, that aha moment was actually thanks to you because I I spat it out and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then it was you being like, no, 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 that's it. Like I get very excited dunno. about stuff. This is actually a problem in a lot of things that I do where I'm like. Nothing else matters right now. I'm all in on this. Squirrel. And so, yeah, it was 100% like, this is it. 
Well, as it turns out, it's uh, Rockstar because here we are. We're actually recording uh, episode one here. So let's talk about it here. Life, Fire, and Layout. Um, Not only did it afford us the opportunity to have a little bit of a broader base, like I'm a big PIO and messaging guy, anyone, you know, and and if you listen to the previous episodes. Or literally just turn the news on any day in Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) On any channel. (laughs) I appreciate being in the news. But uh, but that being said, you know, at first that was my aim. I was like, oh, man, it'd be really neat to speak on something I know quite a bit about in the world yeah. of PIO and messaging. Um, and then I said, you know, and you know, Zach and I were talking uh, and recognizing that although a passion of mine is PIO and, and you know, messaging, um, I also share a passion with a lot of other people in Vermont, around this nation and internationally when it comes to uh, everything fire, police, EMS, and not even as of late, I've had it for a while, emergency management. Um, so the name life, the, you know, the start of, uh, it it came from the fire service. When we are at the scene of a structure fire, we open up a door, whether we force the door or able just to have it open organically, we are searching for people. We're looking with our thermal imaging cameras. We're looking with our eyes. We are instantly looking for any life that might be, um, right there for us to see our, uh, you know, immediately right behind the door. Um, we're checking under the smoke, things like that, right? Boom life check at that exact same moment our brain is also processing where on earth is the fire if we happen to you know if there's no uh, life present right there but there is a fire in the kitchen and we're staring at it we can report that out and say you know who needs to know this the incident commander cool who else needs to know it the people on the hose line get them the information they need um and then finally layout right so um, means a number of different things to number the number of different people. In this case, layout is uh, layout of your structure, your house. Um, where are the stairs? Is there a basement? Um, how do we access the kitchen? Is it high, heavy content, like a hoarding condition, um, before your thermal balance is disrupted and the smoke just comes right down to the floor and you can't see anything but a foot in front of your face or less, check out the layout so you know what's going on. So technical definition aside, and by the way, I want to give a huge shout out because although I'm not sure that they pioneered this, I have to give the shout out for where I first heard it and began internalizing it, and that was our friends over at Brothers in Battle LLC. Check them out on Facebook and social media in general. They this guy, are awesome. what a pro. What a pro. <laughs> Just dropping uh, a nice shout out in his first podcast so organically. Oh, let it rip, buddy. They're good peeps. They, they are, are good, good peeps. <laughs> so, so you so actually that- got me, by the way, real fast. I'm going to do this. I'm going to ruin your entire podcast. Uh, you actually got me following them. Uh, I think maybe you talked about it at the same diner. This diner, man, if you are trying to do something in life, you got to go to the Athens Diner in Colchester. We hit it all that night, but uh, I got connected to them and now I'm following them because I am uh, I like leadership. I like uh, emergency management uh, leadership and fire safety, public safety leadership. And these guys had all sorts of really cool stuff. So shout out to them from me as well. And, and I appreciate that because I think one of the tenets of this podcast is going to be, you know, we don't want to be so broad brush that you uh, see a new episode drop and you're like, oh, God, what random topic is Prescott and Zach yeah, talking that's about? My, that's my <laughs> podcast, right? I'm the one who does that. You know, hashtag EM Weekly. Check them out for <laughs> sure. Because, yes, that is true. And that's very true. But I appreciate that. This one, 
I, I'm truly hoping, you know, like I alluded to a bunch of times, you're going to see communications, you're going to see PIO, we're going to bring in subject matter experts um, on a bunch of different topics, because why not leverage some really cool people who know way more um, than myself or, or, or Zach here, um, and let them talk and, you know, have, have you get that education. We're hoping for some pretty sweet timing of these episodes. I know I love uh, commuting to and from work and just catching some knowledge drop that I can um, you know, do before work, get me fired up for it or on my way back to sort of decompress. Um, so that's our hope for, that's our hope for, for, you know, moving on. Um, but for today's episode, Zach, I kind of want to hit on this topic of, you know, I mentioned, you know, I myself as a firefighter and an EMT, um, have a lot of, uh, brothers and sisters in the police world that I'm friends with, but until I really jumped both feet first into the world of emergency management, it was like a foreign concept. Yeah. Well, uh, good news. You're not the only one that doesn't understand it. Uh, it is a, so especially for those who are not in the EM, uh, field and emergency management is a little bit of everything. Uh, it's really sort of hard to define what it is. So, um, I think that's why some people don't realize they're doing emergency management stuff when they kind of are. So emergency management really is like everything behind the scenes. So I start, I discovered emergency management as an undergrad at the university of Vermont, uh, because I was a firefighter and an EMT and I was doing all this stuff. And I was kind of, uh, at the point where I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And I really wanted, like, I loved the fire service and stuff, but I was actually thinking I was going to go into like federal law enforcement. That was like my original dream. I just thought it'd be really cool. Randomly enough, I really wanted to be a U.S. Customs officer, which is like the most absurd. Like, I don't know that anyone like is like at their teenage years, like I'm going to be a customs officer, but that's really what I wanted to do. It, it And it had to do with just like big picture law enforcement. They dealt with a lot of random cool stuff. So I was really excited about this. So as I was sort of pursuing this and looking at like the things I needed to get in line with that, I talked to my advisor and I was like, you know, I have this emergency services background. I think I want to do federal law enforcement, but I'm also like kind of interested in disaster stuff because I took a class. It was called Weather and Climate. Shout out to Dr. Dupini Giroux, a state climatologist. She's amazing. Um, and she's like, oh, well, you should check out uh, emergency management. Uh, I happen to know some emergency management people, and I think you should talk to them and find out. And I was like, all right, that's really interesting. I'll do that. At the same time, I was running on the student ambulance, uh, UVM Rescue, and uh, our crew chief uh, for, like, literally, this is almost like the same week, our crew chief comes in, and he's driving. He was an alumni, so he graduated, and he was still helping out running calls and stuff. He pulls in with this, like, state police car, uh, but it had red lights instead of blue lights. And I was like, what the hell is this? And he's like, oh, yeah. So I'm technically watch officer tonight for the state. And I'm like, what does that mean? That sounds really cool. And he's like, oh, I work for Vermont Emergency Management. And I was like, what? That's the second time I've heard this in a week. So same thing. I've been in the fire service at that point for like six years, seven years easily um, on several departments. And I'm like, what is this? So then I started looking up all this emergency management stuff. I got an internship with the university. H1N1 happened around then, uh, so it was 2008-ish, I believe. Uh, so now you're starting to get an idea of how old I am. And uh, I got to help write the pandemic plan as an intern for the University of Vermont, which I subsequently dusted off as the emergency manager for the University of Vermont, almost like, I think, eight years later. Uh, but all of this sort of like piled up at one time, and I was like, oh my God, emergency management is it. It does a little bit of everything. So I got my sort of response background, uh, but I only had to deal with stuff when it got really, really big. 
And so emergency management really is like, you know, the fire EMS law enforcement, yeah, law enforcement tactical, right? Like you're, you're doing the stuff. And then when it gets really big, you run out of your run sheet, uh, your calls or, uh, you know, your mutual aid run sheet pretty fast, right? So now what? We need to start getting resources and stuff from all over the place. That's where we sort of start to come in is when you're like looking around, you're like, there's no more help to call. What happens? We come in and then we support all of those tactical operations as well as provide some strategy um, and really critically information. I think that that's like one of the things that I think most people don't recognize is that emergency management more than anything is like communicating important information and taking information from the field and then getting it out. So we watch everything from like the 30,000 foot level. And I just really like that for a number of reasons. A, because you still get to get that like dose of adrenaline for the response stuff, but I don't have to crawl around in broken glass anymore or like hurt my back or all the other stuff that like I now as a 39 year old dude uh, don't want to do. And yeah, so emergency management does a lot of things, but I went right into emergency management and I was like, why doesn't the fire service and EMS understand this? And a lot of it has to do with sort of like it's a relatively new field, like to be honest. Like the fire service is two hundred and what fifty years old, ish. Uh, two hundred fifty years tradition unimpeded by progress, and um, <laughs> you know, emergency management has is largely so uh, ICS right, born out of fire scope, uh, which was essentially a military uh, an adaption by Cal Fire of military command and control uh, that got enveloped with the civil defense programs of the. Uh, you know, basically the end of World War II through the 80s. Um, and then that evolved into emergency management. So it was like sort of this really weird, you know, didn't know how to use it or figure out where it existed. Uh, and then in the 90s, it kind of came into its own. Um, Hurricane Andrew was one of like those first big uh, incidents where like emergency management shined. Um, it just because that was such a massive disaster. And it was like all of those moving pieces were really complicated. Uh, then we evolved again. Uh, so civil defense, and then Hurricane Andrew kind of made like really sort of proved the all hazards approach. 9-11 happened. All of a sudden now, counterterrorism, uh, homeland defense, all this other stuff that was piled onto it. And we're kind of going through like a new evolution now where it's all of those things um, as well as like the Band-Aid for everything else, like emergency management, like you know, especially in some states, it's called Office of Emergency Services, like New York and stuff. Um, so they manage sometimes dispatch centers. They might even run the ambulance service and stuff. They might provide uh, incident management teams at the low level and stuff. So uh, it this is how it sort of grows. Now we're really in like coordination, communication. Um, you know, uh, what we should be doing is more of the proactive stuff. We're starting to head towards that. So we're, we're you think of boom as the event. We're very focused on like the response and then everything to the right, which is like obviously largely fire, EMS, police type stuff. The left of boom stuff is the things that we're finally starting to realize are the most important. And that's something that really emergency management does uniquely. Like everything right of boom could probably be done by public safety agencies. It would be tough because you just don't have that that broad 50,000 foot level view of everything. But the left of boom stuff, the mitigation, the preparedness, um, keeping communities informed, trying to get people like to appreciate like readiness for a disaster, that is uniquely emergency management, but we're only sort of just starting to figure that out really, so. So, and I'm gonna hit on that for a yeah. second because, and I'll use a recent example of this this collaboration between, and, and where 
the roads intersect. Yeah. Emergency management and public safety. So we had a hazardous materials incident the other day in my town, and uh, the incident commander did a fantastic job, but without the collaboration of some folks at the state, namely the state hazmat team, but also leaning on uh, the uh, you know uh, the weather service, leaning yeah. on um, you know the EOC. If it wasn't spun up for this incident, it wasn't that big. Thank goodness, but it could have been that big. Sure. Yeah. And recognizing that <clears throat> if we, as public safety emergency responders, do not have a base level of knowledge as to what their counterparts in emergency management do and how, more importantly, how to and when to call upon them, then we will be behind the times. And I feel as if you alluded to this earlier, and I'll yeah. just hit this out of the park here. Um, emergency services are reactive, not proactive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys are understaffed, right? There's never enough resources. It's always, you know, when you're responding to any emergency, like you don't have all the information and stuff. You have to like just like that's why I think this the your title is very appropriate, right? Like you're in it and you're figuring it out, right? And that's what all of us are doing largely. So my pitch to uh, the emergency services, the public safety sector, uh, particularly the first response community, is let us come in and help you. We augment you, right? Because you don't have time to sort of step back, you know, like you do your 360 and you're doing your size up and trying to figure out like what's going on. But like you're in it, you're responding, you're trying to save someone's life. You don't have time necessarily to think, well, what about this building do I need to like appreciate here? Like I, I need to know the structure. I need to know the integrity of it. I need to know the floors, the layout, how many people are in there, blah, blah, blah. But you're not thinking... Oh, when this fire is out, we've just displaced, you know, 50 people. You may not be thinking, oh, there's uh, there's a major fire here. I need to communicate this to the community so that they're aware of it. And maybe they leave us alone and they're not calling 911 over and over and over. And they're giving us some space so that uh, we can do our job. Uh, you might not be thinking like I've got to feed uh, however many departments are here and I don't even have the logistics of this. That's where like emergency management comes in. The The idea is that like it should be part and parcel, right? Like we plug into the, you know, either we, we're standing up in the EOC, the Emergency Operations Center, and you guys are communicating to us. I honestly like to take a little bit more of a boots on the ground approach and have a liaison or some sort of like, you know, uh, 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 either we're, we're punched right into the unified command and we're providing guidance and support through that. Um, but the, ultimately, like you connect us somehow communicate with us and then we augment everything that you do so that you don't have to worry about that. And especially as an incident commander, you think like as an incident becomes more complex, even if you have other fire chiefs or EMS chiefs in there, you are probably not <laughs> still able to think of those next level big things. That's where like we can come in, offload that from you, the mass care, the logistics, even some like basic resources that you might need for that type of incident. Um, and start to offload that workload so that you all now can focus on the really important stuff, which is you know mitigating the hazard and rescuing the people. Which Zach is what we're good at. Yeah, let's be honest. That is you know it is our niche. It is our wheelhouse. We do that well. Um, the hazmat scene and numerous other incidents that I've been a part of, we have done that well. Yeah. Yes, there's always everything that in our after actions uh, or you know hot washes we're able to come up with and, and fix for later. But in this case, the the, uh, the the pivotal shift is, and as the training officer from my department, big shout out to training in general because you know. Um, 
don't exchange business cards at the command post. Yeah. That same thought goes to don't have the first time you meet your emergency management counterparts or folks from your state hazmat team. Don't be, you know, have uh, your messaging. Yeah. The first time you're messaging, don't have it be at the hazardous materials leak when the plume is getting towards your <laughs> elementary school. Yeah. You know, no. like, uh, yeah, we should all be communicating this ahead of time. And to be honest, like emergency managers all want to work with you. Like if you're not aware of that, it's because they've either been beaten down and they're like, well, screw it. They're not interested in working with me, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, or you may not be aware that they are there. Every single, like for, I, I can't say this across the board, but generally every community has some degree of emergency management. Um, Vermont actually requires it by state statute. There has to be an emergency management director for every single town. That person could Cannon usually is the fire chief or the select board chair, but there's someone in a position that's supposed to be signing off on your local emergency management plan. Uh, your uh, actually, it's a local mm -hmm. emergency operations plan now. The LEOP they've switched names a couple times, but there's some sort of plan, and uh, you know you can start to use these folks to again help you. So like again, always being in in a reactive sort of behind the eight ball. Um, even the best departments, like you just, it's just the nature of the business now, right? Like it's, there is not unlimited resources. Um, having the emergency management there, they can help you not just with like the incident, but all the left of boom stuff. So helping with your plans, they can help you with their training. They can help you with their exercising. Um, and they probably have connections to a bunch of agencies and organizations that maybe you don't work with regularly. Uh, the VOADs, Volunteer Organizations Active in Disaster. That's like churches. CERT, Red Cross, like volunteer groups, all these other organizations that might be able to help out with like feeding and, and uh, you know, taking care of people at an incident. Uh, they're gonna have connections, like you said, to the National Weather Service, like weather is our life. Like we spend so much time working with the National Weather Service and stuff. So having this person who is like an expert in all the things that you might not be, bring them in. And now you like can absolutely crush every single incident. And ideally, maybe prevent incidents. They can work with you like on the preventative stuff. So fire prevention obviously is uh, stop, drop and roll, call 911, fire alarm systems. These are like the most successful outreach efforts ever, but it kind of stopped there, right? Like you, it's, you guys, fires are going down. People know what to do during a fire generally, but uh, there's a lot of other emergencies, right? Like the hazmats and, and uh, weather emergencies and all this other stuff. That's where like we need to start thinking about prevention floods, you know, like making sure people know where their shelters are, where they're supposed to evacuate to, how they're supposed to evacuate. That's not something necessarily a fire department thinks of until they get the call that there's a house going underwater and someone needs to get rescued. Um, so again, this is where like uh, trying to combine forces and share responsibility and work as a team is really, really important. And then that means like bringing you into the EOC too. Like a lot of times, like before a disaster actually happens, you know, you've got that huge storm on the horizon. Having the fire department in the EOC ahead of time with all these decision makers and politics, like there's a lot of politician stuff that we work with. Having this uh, this sort of structure in place, we can start to lean into stuff, I think, which is like, again, I'm going to keep foot stomping that, like the left of boom before the thing happens, coordination before it happens. That makes everybody's life easier. Maybe we get that extra message out or we communicate in a way that uh, hasn't been done before. And now you don't have to go out and rescue someone out of their house as the water's rising. 
And and I think uh, so. A huge uh, shout out to the Homeland Security Exercise and Evaluation Program, the HSEAP model, that that a lot of folks use for how to do this properly. So one of the things that I want to be a hallmark of this Life Fire Layout podcast is the question: as we uh, try to quote unquote land this plane, what are you going to do tomorrow? So I want everyone, all the listeners, to be thinking at, after the end of each of these podcasts, what are you going to do with the information you just hopefully digested tomorrow? And one of the things that I want you to think about, any listeners out there who you know are saying, man, I, I actually do have some questions. Maybe you've tuned out and you said you know, EM and public safety don't belong together, which is uh, not at all true, but uh, I certainly hope that you are recognizing the need for collaboration. So think about before any type of actual exercise, before you're thinking about crashing two cars in a parking lot and 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 you know bringing a bunch of departments in and seeing how that'll re, you know relay or simulating hazardous materials incident or an MCI, start small. Start with a tabletop. Big shout out to formerly Max Kennedy, awesome guy from Vermont Emergency Management. Now Harry Shotman, um, who is our uh, sort of northern training coordinator person. Um, great resource. Uh, I'll include some show notes. Maybe I'll get his email out there if he's okay with that. Um, we just put it out there. It's public. <laughs> yeah, straight up. He can't stop this. That's, <laughs> sorry, bud. No. Uh, but that's a great place to start because in the realm of training, um, when you train ahead of time, when you throw a tabletop together, and, and again, the Shelburne Fire Department invited um, oh, yeah, it's a, a number of folks to yeah. this. I was present for a sweet tabletop that brought up so many good questions, and it brought up a, it brought a ton of awesome people to the table, pun intended here. Um, at the end of the day, in two weeks, we are going to debrief that tabletop, and already the document that has been produced is going to um, bring such awesome things uh, that we can fix ahead of time again. So it's not in the response method. We are now ahead of time. We are able to recognize where um, some areas uh, for improvement are and do that before, and I like your term, before the boom. Yeah, so... Uh, this is something I ran into a ton in the fire service, and uh, certainly I'm also in the military. We love to do this in the military is go right to the fun stuff, right? Like we want to start turning wheels. We want to put uh, the wet stuff on the red stuff. Like you don't want to do all the work up ahead of it, but there's this thing called the exercise cycle. And so it's a process, the crawl, walk, run, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think a lot of agencies miss this opportunity and it makes it really hard to learn lessons from everything, right? Like not just your training and your exercising, but like even incidents, like having this process, the cyclical analysis process, again, emergency managers do this all the time. And they would be, they would love to come in and evaluate your exercises and your programs. But you start out with the seminars and the workshops, like talking to each other, like, hey, what is our plan? All right, we have a mutual aid plan. We know this and it gets assessed every once in a while by maybe the fire chiefs, but do all of the firefighters know it? So when the fire chief, God forbid, drops dead of a heart attack or uh, is on vacation and the next person down is like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do with this. Everyone's trained up on that plan. They understand it. Then you move into the tabletop where you're discussing, you know, in a in a really low risk, uh, no fault environment, an incident or some sort of thing you want to talk through. Like, okay, we know communications fail every single time. Let's talk through an incident and talk about our communications plan and see if that works. Then you move to drills. You're going to test one component of that plan. Maybe that's when you get out and Instead of trying to set up this really complex thing, like uh, Prescott was just saying, the two cars with the hazmat and stuff, just get on the radio and see if you can talk to the department next to you. 
can dispatch hear you in this spot? Uh, maybe go to a channel that you're not used to operating on or some other process and see if that works. Then you move into your, uh, you know, your more complex functional exercises and eventually go into a full scale exercise. Do that over like three years. Don't go immediately to the full scale thing. Like that's one of the biggest challenges I think uh, a lot of departments have. And I know there's limited time and it feels like, well, we have to take advantage of everything that we have. But if you bring everyone together to cut cars apart and put fires out and everyone has no idea what they're doing when they get there and they leave going, I don't really know what we were supposed to get out of that, but I guess the fire's out and the cars are cut apart. So we were successful when in reality you didn't work on the inefficiencies of your response plan. Uh, maybe you didn't uh, sort of recognize the, the faults in how you manage a situation or what tools and resources you may have. And then one thing that most people don't do is an actual after action report. Take the, take the information that you've learned and put it into a plan. Take that stuff, you know? And I, again, I get it. Like, there's not enough time. There's never enough time. But those after action reports, if you have an incident and you're like, I just need help figuring this out, call up the emergency manager that you have locally and be like, hey, we just had this huge incident. You kind of were, uh, you know, watching over everything. How did you think it go? Could you help us write the after action plan? And they're going to be happy to come in and plug in and, and do that. So, yeah. So I think... <clears throat> um my uh, my friend, I'm using that loosely because I've actually never met the guy, but uh, <laughs> Preston Klein with the uh, MCTI, the Mission Critical Teams Institute, um, definitely look them up on whatever podcast source you have as well. They're fantastic. Uh, love this term. He he says, let's land this plane. Um, so as as we look to do that, answer the question, what are you going to do tomorrow? And Zach yeah. just summed it up really nicely. Uh, what are you going to do with this information tomorrow? I certainly hope, um, whether you're a training nerd like Zach and I or not, I hope you are going to look into um, what level of training and collaboration you have done with the partners in public safety and emergency management. Um, and if the answer is not a whole lot, then there's always room for improvement and growth. Um, I would really like to thank you, Zach, for being here. Uh, uh, episode one, this is a pivotal moment for me. Also, a big shout out to John Scardina uh, with the Disaster Tough podcast, another sweet uh, thing to check out in your podcast world. Um, John is the CEO of Doberman Emergency Management and a big reason that I am here. Um, and Zach, it goes without saying, but not only am I literally still using the equipment that you, uh, quote unquote, <laughs> lent me that I might just retain for a little while longer. <laughs> But you were also uh, the impetus for helping me with a name and a bunch of other things. So huge shout out to you. Um, and speaking about training here, I just want to give uh, my, my last two cents here um, before uh, we wrap things up would be if you, if you love training and you want to learn more um, about emergency management, public safety collaboration, check out Emergency Management Response for Dynamic Populations. It's happening August 29th through the 31st of this year in St. Louis, Missouri. Check it out on thereadinesslab.com. That's T H E. R-E-A-D-I-N-E-S-S-L-A-B.com. Uh, we're talking everything, evacuation, messaging, PIO, myself, Zach. We're both going to be there. Meet us in person. We'll do autographs. We literally will. We might even <laughs> buy you a beer. Um, security, mass care, medical uh, actually, response. Actually, you'll buy us beers, okay? You're oh, getting truth. information, yeah. Yeah, now we'll give you the information. Yeah. You give us the Yeah, beers. it's an exchange. It's a good deal. <laughs> Lots of cool people going to be there. Um, but please, check it out on the readiness, readinesslab.com. Uh, Zach, any any closing words for us? Uh, let's go to the callers. Is it, are oh. the telephones lighting up? Oh, uh, they lit up and they are, have Oh, we don't down. have telephones? Oh, All right, yeah. we'll work on that in the future. Uh, future episodes will have telephones. But yeah, no, thank you so much. Uh, 
Prescott uh, undersells himself. I uh, respect the hell out of him. And I, I'm not joking that he is on TV every single day. You cannot escape him. And now I'm unleashing him on the nation. All right. We're, we're pulling him out of Vermont and we're going to make him go out there and teach everything. If you want to know, learn how to be on TV every single day, go to that training, listen to this podcast. Uh, and I know he's going to crush it. He's going to be hugely successful. And then I'm going to be really upset because his podcast is going to be more popular than mine. Um, and, you know, we're doing what 30-year-old dudes do. Like, we're podcasting, we're sharing what we have. Uh, but, like, this is a collaborative thing. I know Prescott's looking for guests. So if you want to be on here and chat with him, uh, 100% also listen to those other podcasts. If you're kind of interested more in emergency management, like, we're a team effort here. So I'm super excited to have you on board, and I can't wait to see how this thing uh, takes off. Zach, can't thank you enough for that. Thank you all. See you next time. And uh, don't forget to subscribe. Take care.